Hi, I'm Jeff Grayson. This is the second half of a two-part interview. The guys have left the locker room. The halftime adjustments have been made. I think we can expect nothing less than 110%. It's season four of the Bait and Switch podcast. Welcome back to the Bait and Switch Podcast. My name is Chris Beyer, as always with my co-host, Jim Martin. Jim? Hello, fanatics. Fanatics are back. That's what fanatics are back. <laughs> well, we are, this is the second half of a special interview. As Jim said, he's got a little bit of the, uh, a little nervous because this is probably our biggest name guest, I would say, in, yeah. uh, in our three years of doing this, three years plus. We had Tim Van Voren yeah. on. Uh, uh, Jerry, Jerry Augustine is our guest. Uh, Jerry, you know Tim, right? Oh, I, I tell you what, I, my, one of my first things I ever done on television was with, with Tom Pippins and Jen Latta and Tim Van Voren. We did what the Brewer Bash on a Sunday afternoon after the Brewers game. And uh, we did a half hour show. And uh, uh, that's where I really got to know Tim. Uh, but uh, he's a great guy. Uh, we've been good friends since then. And every time we see each other, we always have that good laugh about how I even got started by doing some of the stuff on TV by doing that little brew bash with him and Pip and Jen Latta. Yeah, you were one of those athletes that made the transition from the field to the booth. Was that something you, you thought of or you saw or just kind of happened? Well, you know, I, after I got done, I went into the insurance business and then um, – I went into coaching. I, I, I love baseball. I wanted to do something in baseball. I ended up going to UWM uh, for about seven or eight years and uh, just, uh, just enjoyed, enjoyed that. Uh, um, I was very blessed to be there with Coach Scott Duffick, who's there now. And, but I had some really good players. And when I went there, I actually went there as a, as a, a favor for a, 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 from a dad of one of the players there. It was a pitcher that had a good chance of getting signed. So I, they called the coach. The coach said, yeah, I'd love to have him there. So I went there, and sure enough, after first year, they asked me to do the coaching. So uh, I couldn't do it unless I got Scott Duffick and uh, Jim Rosen, a couple guys. I got it, those guys to help me out and uh, uh, went to UWM, and uh, that's where I started. And at the end of that, um, uh, Dennis Krause called me in to do a couple shows with him and said, hey, you know, how about going up and do some Timber Rattler games with Bob Brainerd? Well, you do a game with Bob Brainerd. He's one of the best in the world. He's so much fun, a good guy, and he was really the – he kind of got me going. And uh, so if you ask to talk about it, it's really Tom Pippins, uh, Tom Pippins, Tim Van Voren, and then you got uh, Dennis Krause and then Bob Rainer, who really had, had the most impetus in me going into doing some stuff on TV. You know, I want to back up a little bit. I kind of rushed through the initial start for anybody that's just starting with this interview. Our guest is Jerry Augustine, who is a lifelong Wisconsinite. And he went to play for the Brewers back in the 70s and 80s and uh, was on those teams, uh, the great Brewer teams of the late 70s and early 80s, 80s, and the one that went to the World Series in 1982. One question I want to ask you about uh, your career versus, say, the athletes of today, there's so much more money in the game today than there was, say, in the 70s. And you know, there's no longer the people that have the, the jobs off season and, and things like that. You hear stories like LeBron James and Russell Wilson, you know, spending a million dollars of their own money on conditioning, on, on chefs, on, you know, personal trainers and things like that. Are things really significantly different in terms of professionalism now from the players that you see versus the players of your era? Or, 
you know, because there's so much more money in it? Well, I think it's different. Uh, if you look back um, in Milwaukee, I go back in the, in, the, in the history of Milwaukee Brewers. When I first came up at the Brewers, we didn't even have a weight room. Uh, if you go back in the waste, they, they were rusty old waste that were in a room and there was a, a little stationary bike in there and you could ride that if you want. Not many guys went on that. And then Robin came along and after Robin's first couple of years, he got into working out with weights and they, all things, things started to change with our organization. And we got it. I think there's a, I think today in today's world, um, you being able to go out physically, physically and be able to hold up over a long 162 game season, I, I think is very difficult. And I think the, with these guys spending the monies that you, you've just talked about, I think that's important. I think health is so important. Staying away from injuries. Yes, there's a lot of money to be made, but I think as much as there's a lot of money to be made, it's that, it's that intense wanting to compete and to be the best that you can be and to play on a winner and get to a World Series and be a good teammate. I think those are things not different, any different from they were when I played, but the, the money has something to do with it. But there's such a, a big, big thought, a big process today on going out and staying in shape and being, being able to do that. Whereas prior to that, I mean, we'd start 30, 32 ball games. And uh, back when I played it, when the manager handed you the ball, if he came out in the sixth inning to take the ball out of your hand, you looked at him like he was crazy. And uh, it's not like that anymore. Everything is so different now. And monies are so important. The health is so important. And the, the amount of money that is put into a player is so, so important. So I think that when you're seeing players do these things and getting these gyms and all these different things they do is so important because being healthy is part of the process of being a winner. And that's what these guys do. Yep. So we touched a little bit on this, the first half through, through seven complete games in, in the month of May, and that just doesn't happen anymore. And so what do you think of the, I don't know what it's called, the diminished role necessarily of the starter, but the fact that the starters, they don't go as long and the relievers are a much bigger part of the game now than, you know, they're much more involved now than they were before. What do you think of that? Well, you know, I, when I started about 11 or 12 years ago with Fox and starting doing the, the pre and post game shows. And every year I would, I'd look at all the, the, the pitching staffs in baseball. And when I, even back nine and 10 years ago before, you know, we saw a diminishing of starters going, you know, where they think, let's go, let's go six to be a, a good, you had to go six innings, give it less than three runs and all these things, all these new stats and all the things that came up. Even back then, the average, the team average was right around five and a half to six innings. And so what you saw was baseball started going with all the analytics that they have. What became as important is not only just the starters being able to go those five innings or six innings. If you could go six innings, that's really good. Is the people that get you to the final part of the ball game? Everybody mm -hmm. started knowing about the relievers with Raleigh Fingers and and Goose Gossage and all these guys, uh, Mariano and Rivera. They all understood that. But how are you going to get to those guys? It's mm -hmm. as important to get to those guys as it is not. And that's where you get the guys. Now you got the setup guy. You got the holes. You got the the guy. The most important guy is the guy who comes in before the closer. He's going to set up the closer. And I think that became that way because. It's the intensity of baseball is being able to stay healthy and being able to have guys in spots where they can be successful. And I think that's what you're seeing teams do now. They're finding avenues for people to be successful for the style of pitch there. Doesn't take anything away from the starters. Starters that can really go out and, and pitch at a low pitch count, get people to hit the ball on the ground a lot, stay in the ball games longer. 
they're going to pitch their five and six and seven innings on a consistent basis if they can. But if not, baseball set up that, you know what, we now have that sixth inning guy, we now have that seventh inning guy, we now have the eighth inning guy, and we have our closer. And that's just a, a brand of baseball. Not only does it do it that way, but it keeps people healthier longer throughout a season. Right. Yeah. I, I had an idea uh, a while ago, and I think Tony Larusa actually stole it. Um, but uh, my my idea was, what if you had three pitchers set up for a game, and each pitcher goes three innings, and then they don't see the batters more than once or twice? Because it's tougher. Obviously, the more the batter sees a pitcher, the better he's going to hit him. And Absolutely. So there's three pitchers in there lined up. Boom, boom, boom. Now that takes away a lot of the egos from the starting and the closing and all that kind of stuff. And I think uh, LaRusa did that similar in a lot of playoff games. And actually, like we were talking about Craig Council, how smart he is, he was doing some of that kind of thing a couple of years ago. So it seems like it's, it's moving almost towards that. Well, that's a, that's a specialty, Jim, you know, when you look at it. And, and I think when you, you talk about Craig Council, that would be called a bullpen game. Mm-hmm. And he uses it a lot because if the starters can't go, he says, what are we going to do tomorrow? Well, we have a bullpen game. And he uses, he always has that guy like a Brett Suter in the, out in the bullpen that can come in and give you that starting, give you that three or four innings, whatever he can give you. But I, I think the game has gone that way when you got, you got everybody coming in, everybody has their specialty and everybody has that ability. And uh, do I think that in a, as you see baseball go on, do you think starters will go less and they'll go to that, that, that type of, uh, pitching staff like you got it. Well, you see a lot of times in the minor leagues, they call them piggyback. And you'll see in the A-ball leagues uh, a lot that they'll have us, they'll have two guys. They, that's your partner. It'd be uh, partner one and partner two. They'll go out and one guy will start one game and go four or five innings. And then the next guy will go the five, try to finish up the game and you have your closer. Well, they do that a lot. The next time those Spit it, turn it over, and the other guy will start, and go. They piggyback. They do that a lot in the minors, and I think that's what's brought on that specialty. That they find out more things that that these guys can do. They keep them healthier. They keep their pitch counts down, and yet at the same time, they can it can be used as a teaching situation where when you go out, here's what you have to do to be better. Because when you start, there's more chance for you have more chance of making errors and up with a pitch than you can as a reliever. Reliever, you got to be more precise, yep. throw strikes, get ahead of hitters, and so on. Yeah. A couple of years ago, we picked up a guy who was specifically a closer, I think, and he ended up pitching the eighth inning. That was it. Was it K Rod? And then at we first, yeah, K Rod yeah. at first when he came over was a he was our eighth inning guy. Yeah, and then after someone got hurt, he went into the closing role. Yeah, but he had been a closer. So what is that like for those guys? Are they are they kind of ticked off? Like, oh, I'm the closer. Is there an ego thing about that, or is it is it not so much as what I think? I, I think you know what I, I think when you talk about baseball today, and and when everything uh, everything's like almost a fraternity, like you have your bullpen is a fraternity of guys that mm-hmm. got to go out and 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 get guys out. Sure, your closer is the most is the important. He's the guy who closes out the game and all that. But I, they don't think that way. They think about a group of guys in a bullpen, think about how successful can we be over a long period of time. It's like when, we were, when I was playing, uh, when I was in a bullpen, I would pick out a month and say, you know what, for each month, I want to be successful. When I go my first time, how did I pitch and what did I do? I got to make my next time. Rather than worrying about how many times in between I pitched or how many innings I did pitch or whatever the situation was, I tried to make it a game and saying, Okay, here's how I pitch. How can I make the next game better? Now, what did I, if I made a mistake the next game, how can I go out and not make that mistake the next game? And you play games like that. And I think 
when you talk about bullpen guys, I think that kind of fraternity, they do that. Everybody cheers for each other. They all know that if, if the guy in the sixth inning does his job, he's going to make the guy's ninth inning guy a little bit easier. And I think when you look at that fraternity that they now have, it's so specialized. It's great. It's great for the game of baseball and it gets more people involved. And, and yes, there is more money put out. If you're a specialist guy that can be versatile and go start a reliever or short man to long man or middle man. Does, does baseball have to worry about uh, offense? I mean, here we got defensive shifts and we got pitch counts. It, do you have to be careful that offense doesn't get stifled too much? I, you know what? I, I think when you, when you look at it, I think the, the game of baseball has changed a lot because they talk about the trajectory of the bat, the ball, the way it goes, the analytics involved with it, and hitting home runs is very, very big. Um, but I think the success in baseball still comes from teams having the ability to put the ball in play and not striking out. I think if we go back over to Brewers the last several years, striking out has been a big, a big thing that they've been working really hard not to do and putting the ball in play. Uh, I think hitting is what brings fans into the stadium. I think having a good pitcher on the mound who throws the ball very well is fun to watch a one nothing ball game. I enjoy it as much as anything. Not too many fans do, but I think every <laughs> once in a while you get those games that you, you score a lot of runs. And as a hitter, being able to adapt and make those adjustments, that game between the pitcher and that hitter making adjustments is so much, so much fun to watch. I just, every game that I do, I watch it and it's, it, I pick out a certain player that I think that the, the Brewers have to get out. I watch the way they pitch them, not only the first game, but I watch them all through the whole series. It's fun to watch. Well, yeah. maybe we got to get a hitter in here to, to have the counterpoint <laughs> no, no. here. No, no, we no, got no, a pitcher I, here who wants one nothing games all the time. <laughs> so, so is baseball healthy in general? Uh, can baseball always rely that they're going to be on the top of the food chain when it comes to summer sports in America and you know, do they, can they rely on tradition or do they have to innovate? I think tradition is going to be a big part of baseball. Uh, I think tradition is a hard thing to take away from the game of baseball. I think there's things that, that they can put in the game that can make the, the game very interesting. And let's take this past season with the 60 games, how they put the runner on second in extra innings. They played double headers that were seven innings. Uh, these type of things that they're doing, reliever coming in the game and facing three hitters. I thought these were all things in the game of baseball that I really enjoyed this year. That runner on second base yeah. in extra innings, I, I loved it. I thought yeah. it, was, it was fun. It was, it was really uh, things you, had to, you really have to, had to work against uh, with teams. It was a fun part of the game of baseball. Are they going to do that this year or not? I haven't heard where they are. I think that's some of the proponents that they're, we're still working on. I think we haven't heard a lot. The final note on the DH, I think that's a big thing uh, that they're going to be talking about. So, but I think those, those things uh, in perspective, I think when you talk about the game of baseball, when you add those things of that reliever coming in and, and having to come in and face those three hitters or get through an inning is so important. I think the runner on second base is really a lot of fun for the game of baseball. Uh, there's a lot more uh, interesting things that go on with that. Uh, the DH, having players DH taking the pitcher out of the game a little bit, allowing a hitter in the game, which puts the offense on a, on a, in a better spot to score more runs. So I think when you see those things happening, uh, it's very interesting. And uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what they do adapt to baseball here in 2021. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about that DH idea? 
Boy, I, I, you know what? I, I played in the American League. I had a DH, mm -hmm. although I tell everybody right. that I was, I was a good hitter, and I, I really tell it's a fallacy, really. I, I didn't hit very well, although college I hit really well. Mm -hmm. uh, but um, uh, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm really, his, historical-wise, I really like the, the game of baseball with the, with the pitcher having to hit and, and that part of the game. But I think when you talk about the game and where it's going and the, and the offense that's needed and and the, uh, moving the game along faster with things that you do. Uh, I think the DH is going to become a part of that. And uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to say that, you know, most likely that they're probably going to have the DH this year. Yeah, I think in light of also what we were talking about with the specializing, you know, and the amount of money that's going into these players, a, a starting pitcher like, okay, I always think of Jimmy Nelson. Here's Jimmy that's Nelson. Right. What's that guy doing on the base pass? And he has almost like practically a career-ending injury running the bases of all things and i can understand the idea that you know mm -hmm. historically you know it's cool to see the pitchers hit. that's not where we're at anymore i don't think well your pitchers need to stay healthy and right. you know what there you see the weird injuries that do help them uh we i've seen everything from uh from injuries to mu your muscles and uh you pull a muscle running to a base or tore, tear up a knee out of the batter's box and you know, those, those guys, their, their expertise is on the mound. And yep. I think the DH is – I like it because it keeps some really good players in the ball game, yep. in the it's game of baseball. Mm -hmm. And those games are – that's the history of baseball. Those are, those are some of the guys that people go to the park they want to see play and see them hit and, and see, what the, see that, hey, I saw this guy play, whatever. And I think that's good for the game of baseball. And mm -hmm. as we mentioned in the first half, that allowed Hank Aaron to extend his career here in Milwaukee. It sure right. did, and uh, I'll right. tell you what, uh, you know, a lot of things are said about Hank Aaron, uh, and I was his teammate. Um, my claim to fame, and the one way that I know I'll get to the, to the Hall of Fame was I pitched in the game when Hank Aaron hit number 755. I can tell you he hit it off a of number 46, Dick Drago. He hit a one-two pitch in the left corner, and we won the game, and I had a quality start. Nice. Oh, really? Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's I mean, good. I'm taking it to extremes there. But. Yeah, well, let's yeah. let's go forward here from uh, 1975 or 6 or whatever that was, and let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers 2021. Uh, just give us your general impression of where you think the team is going to go this year. Well, I, you know, it's going to go as far as their pitching goes. I think when you look at a, a club in, in today's game, it's going to be you got to have good pitching. And, and we talk about starters being important. They're extremely important. If you've got good starters that can go out and keep you in a game on a consistent basis, that's going to be very important. But I think it's baseball is built around a bullpen now. And you see in bullpens, they have 11 and 12, 13 guys. But, you know, that the importance of those guys in that bullpen to go out each on a daily basis and, and, and take you through the game is going to be so important. So I don't, I don't think you – you can win without a good starting staff, but I don't think you can win without, without a good bullpen. And I think the, the Brewers, when you look at the Brewers, with you know, what they have with Woody and Barnes, and, you know, you look at Hauser, he needs to step up a little bit, and Lindblom is coming back. And then it's going to be interesting to see where you go from there. But then you look at this bullpen, and you take, you take a Josh Hader and a Devin Williams. Mm -hmm. I, I don't think there's two better duos in all of baseball than those guys. No. And what's so unique about them, you have a lefty and a righty. And uh, their uniqueness is really pretty special. But then you had guys like Yardley and, and Peralta and Brett Suter and all those guys. They all fit in around those guys. But I think there's going to – you'll see the Brewers probably uh, this year probably make some more moves yet, get some more arms in, in it. But I think pitches is going to be very important. In the field, I think they got some real 
question marks at first base and third base. I think up the middle, you know, Keston's going to be there. Orlando had a great year last year. Mm -hmm. uh, I think in the, in the outfield, uh, you look at, at what they have there. You have one of the best outfields in all of baseball when they got everybody uh, that, is, that is playing. Yep. Yeah, speaking of outfield, I was going to mention this is going to be the first time in a long time Mr. Ryan Braun is not out there, which is going to be a little strange, I think. It's going to be different. Uh, you know, Ryan's been a – Ryan, you know, he, he's, a, he's a gamer. He, likes, he, he wants to be able to go and play, but his health has been troubling him the last few years. And yep. it's going to be interesting. I, they say he hasn't made a decision up. We'll find oh, okay. out fairly soon. Okay. But, uh, but, uh, but not having Ryan is going to be a change. But I think when you look at what Christian Yelich has done over to, since he's come over to Milwaukee – uh, he's turned it into the face of the ball, face of this organization, and yep. uh, things all go through Christian Yelich right now. So, and yep. I think he's one of those. You don't you don't meet a, a more classy a guy that really is involved in the community than you do with Christian Yelich. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that was a great pickup. Um, and then another guy we're not going to have this year is Corey Knebel into the Dodgers, right? You know, Corey did a great job here in Milwaukee, mm -hmm. and and I think when you when you when you look at what Corey's done, I think when you see. Devin Williams do what he did last year. I think that, that you look at it and you say, do we keep a Corey or do we allow Corey to take a different avenue and prolong his career somewhere else? And I think when you talk about, about Corey wanting to be that closer style guy, mm -hmm. uh, when you have a guy like Josh Hader and Devin Williams, uh, I think you've got a, a duo right there from the left to right side that's going to take you there. And, you know, and it's going to be interesting how they're going to fill in the, fill in the gaps with some of the great young arms that they do have. Which team do you think in our division is going to be our toughest rival? Uh, you know, I think Cincinnati is going to be good. Uh, they seem like they're unloading some of their pitching. Uh, so, you know, pitching, <laughs> when you go, you talk about that ballpark. Great American ballpark is one ballpark that the ball flies out of, and you've got to have good pitching. And offensively, Cincinnati's always been a pretty good ball club. Uh, but pitching-wise, they've struggled a little bit. Last year, very good. Their bullpen was much better. I think Cincinnati is going to be good. St. Louis is always good. Yep. St. Louis is going to be good every year. I think they're going to be one of the teams. Uh, and I think Chicago, again, I think when you look at those four teams, I think it's going to be a great battle. I think you're going to see um, conference games mean a lot. Uh, it looks like the Pittsburgh's are, Pittsburgh is kind of rebuilding, but they're rebuilding in a very unique way with all a bunch of good young players. And mm -hmm. you never know how those guys are going to develop. So uh, I, I look at Pittsburgh kind of at the bottom of the, of the, of the division. But you know what? Anytime you play within in that NL Central, you gotta you gotta go and play hard because uh, there's a rivalry amongst all five teams, and you gotta go play. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier uh, in the first half that we were going to talk about a little bit about the wild card team. I think that was a fantastic addition to baseball is to have wild card teams, so you don't have the just the division leaders. What do you think about the one game playoff? I, you know, I don't mind it. I think it's okay. Mm -hmm. But the one thing, here's what, you play 162 games a year mm -hmm. and you battle and you battle from game one to game 162 to earn a privilege of going to the playoffs. Is that a privilege for the ball team or is it also a privilege for the fans who come out for those 160, 82 right. games or 162 games, whatever you want mm -hmm. to talk about that following team. I think baseball would best is best by adding being the best out of three, best two out of three, because now each team gets to have a home game. I'll tell you what, there's nothing like baseball in postseason in Milwaukee. Yeah. Fans are phenomenal. It is so loud. Uh, it is just uh, such a unique place. 
Uh, our fans are the best in all of baseball, I think. And uh, I think adding that, that one game playoff is hard because you may not get a game after you played so well, struggled so hard all year long. I think having that best out of three is at least get you a home game that you can have that opportunity to show your fans your, uh, the play in a postseason. Right. I agree. So a quick follow-up to that. Do you think baseball would be open to shortening the season a little bit? Otherwise, they're pushing the World Series into November, and that's not good. It's going to get interesting. I, I think that's one thing. I think that's something that, that Rob Manford is looking at. They're trying to look at, do you shorten the season or, or do you extend the playoffs? And I, I think that's, that's a real question amongst baseball. I know, I know from an owner standpoint, you shorten a season, that takes revenue away from them. And that's important. But when you get to the playoffs, that adds revenue. So yeah. having like last year, they had more teams in a playoff, I thought was fun to watch. Yeah. I thought baseball playoffs were I, – I watched almost every game. Mm. I think I drove my wife nuts watching every game. But <laughs> I think I watched every ball game. I enjoyed it. I got to analyze it, and it, it was just a lot of fun. And mm. it, the Brewers, yeah, they did go up against the Dodgers who finally won the World Series. But at the same time, it was getting to that. But I, I really enjoyed postseason baseball. I think having more teams in it was a real plus. And now I think baseball's just got to figure out how they're going to do it. Yep, I agree. You know, one way they could shorten the season in a way is get back to the doubleheader. The doubleheader has gone away, essentially. Uh, is that a bad thing for baseball? Should they go back to doubleheaders? Do you go to seven-inning ballgames? You know, yeah, if you, that's you know, another thing. Yeah. You, know, you know, Chris, you go to seven-inning ballgames, now that changes. That changes your, your pitchers, how many you have, and – your your ball club and do you I you know it's not a bad idea I think it's something they'll look at I think when you have a double hairs I think double hairs are kind of special at a ballpark anyway mm -hmm. uh, how they do them you know some you go to places uh, that they'll have a day night double header or they have one following each it doesn't make any difference but I, I think um, I think double headers might be a part of it uh, I think that's something they're talking about and trying to figure out but uh, the double headers were pretty fun to watch this past year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'm a fan of the seven inning, seven inning game. I, I don't know because it, you know, you could have a guy like Verlander. Okay, he just blows through seven innings and that's that. You know, and and whereas a lot of times games are are determined based on the strength of your bullpen, and I think that takes that away. But it, it does a little bit. I I think it. You know, it, it allows. I one part of that too. When you take it the other way, Jim, it allows your your ace and your staff to have a complete game. Well, to take true. you through one mm -hmm. of those games. And you know what? I, I'll tell you what, I, as a starter, I'd, I'd love to pitch seven inning ball games. Yeah. I mean, I get in there, I get in that fifth inning. I got, I got a lead. I don't care if the lead is 14 to 12 or it's one to nothing or four to two. I got a chance to win. So if I bear down. So I, I think that, that adds a different flavor a little bit. But mm -hmm. I, I agree with you. The 70 games are a little bit different, and they do take a little bit of different style coaching. Yes. Mm -hmm. And baseball is such a tradition-bound sport. Uh, those people that love statistics would hate that seven-inning thing you know, because <laughs> it, would, it would change all their numbers and would yeah. drive them nuts. Uh, and maybe uh, for baseball to survive, they might have to leave some of those people behind. Yeah. Right. Well, that starting pitcher deck has an incentive for uh, – uh, <laughs> Complete ball games uh, could make a few extra dollars, but it's going to be interesting. I think baseball will look into it and see what's best for a game of baseball. But uh, one thing I can honestly tell you, Jim and Chris, I do like more teams in the playoffs. I do like more than one game playoff. Yep. I like that too. So if you were the commissioner of baseball, what's the first rule change you'd make? Uh, the extra innings. That's, that's the one. Yep. That's indelible. I, yep. I think the, 
when you go about figuring out what you got to do and you, you know what's going to happen. I say, I just, it makes it fun. There's a lot of strategy involved. Really what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to pinch run? Are you going to bring in a different pitcher or what are you going to, and I, I just, I really enjoyed that part of the game this year. I know uh, David Stearns has come out and he's talked about, he's thought about this for several years and he wanted, talked about installing that he thinks it'd be great for the game of baseball. But when you hear Craig and, and David Stearns and now Matt Arnold talk about it. They really enjoy that part of it. It's that strategic part of the game that I, I think really adds to adds flavor and is fun for the fans. Yeah. yeah and nobody yeah. really likes a 15 inning game. The, it, no. it might seem funny uh, the next day when you read about it, but it's not a fun thing to watch these things go on forever. We one time played a game against, we had, we're flying out after the game. We're playing the Toronto Blue Jays. We ended up going seven, 15 or 16 innings against the Toronto Blue Jays. There was a couple. There was a rain delay or something. We got out of Milwaukee at 3:25. We got into LA because of flights and everything like that. Uh, our charter flight was a little late. We got in. We went to the hotel at. We got in there at 9:30 in the morning for a seven o'clock game. So the <laughs> 15 inning games and those situations didn't work out too well. Yeah. No. You know, one thing I want to I want to give a shout out here before we wrap up our podcast. I want to thank Jeff Grayson, Josh Grayson, for uh, setting up this interview with uh, with us. You worked with Jeff at Fox Sports, right? Yes, I did. Uh, one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and uh, you know, you you learn every year when you're in there to to try to do your job well. And uh, Jeff Grayson, um, not only is he funny, and we have fun uh, doing things. Uh, he does an excellent Casey Kasem. Um, uh, his favorite TV show was Mr. Ed, uh, of all things. And uh, so every day we had the streets of San Francisco, Mr. Ed, and Casey Kasem going on every Sunday morning. But uh, uh, Jeff did a great job. He's a big fan of the Brewers, and uh, he's uh, just taught me so much about what I do, and I'm forever grateful for that. And what do you do? You still work at Fox Sports, right? And yeah, I'm, I, I do pre- and post-game shows. Pre- and post-game shows. Yeah. So I was with Jeff quite a bit on all the road games. Jeff and I, whether it was a, a game in Milwaukee that sometimes you get over at 10, 1030, or a game out on the West Coast uh, where to get done at 2.30 in the morning, we'd still have to do our post-game show. So uh, uh, we go back a long while, long time at that. and had a lot of fun, but uh, really a class act. And uh, uh, I'll tell you what, um, I'm going to treasure the time that I, I, I had the opportunity to work with him for the rest of my life. Well, that's, that's, that's cool to hear. Now, he was your broadcast partner for a while. Who's your broadcast partner now? Well, I work with Craig Kishan, is, is probably the primary guy. Uh, Craig and I go way back uh, as far as he, um, he was really my mentor coming in, along with Davey Nelson, uh, the late Davey Nelson, really taught me the ins and outs about what it is. And, and now um, Dario Melendez is there. He does games. So I, I'm, I got a good group of guys, plus that uh, – I, work, I, I do a lot with Brian Anderson and Bill Schroeder and, <laughs> and you get all those guys around to give it a little hints and points. And uh, 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 that's always fun. So uh, uh, you, but mainly I work mainly with uh, Craig Kishan and uh, Dario Melendez. One other uh, friend of the podcast is the Brewers team photographer, Scott Paulus. Do you know Scott? Oh, Scott, one of the best. Yeah. One of the best of the best. Yeah. Um, Scott comes down here and I, I, he likes to, he has his Jeep and he was looking for places to go. And we have a place called Four Peaks here where off the highway, 
off the highway, it is 26.2 miles to get to the, to the, get up to the, almost to the top of the, this four peaks. And, uh, uh, it, that 26.2 miles can take you somewhere between two and three hours because you're going all around. And he, I believe he went up and did it. And he, uh, but, uh, Scott's been around a long time. He's a class guy, really good photographer. And, uh, I see him at the ballpark almost every day, a good guy. It's this one of the things that I like about doing this podcast and we started this as just like a thing that we just joking around having fun and and you meet all different kinds of people and and a lot of these people actually become friends and Scott is one of those guys I think I met at uh, my buddy's Tiki bar and sure and he's, he's you know he's, he's just like you said he's a great guy. And, yeah, and, yeah. he does a great job for the Brewers. He does it, get yep. some really good shots. Every yeah. once in a while, I look and he'll take a shot at me. I go, what are you wasting your <laughs> shots for? And he just laughs. He just laughs at me. Well, I tell you, Scott does a great job with the Brewers, as do you too, Augie. I, I like watching you on, yeah. on TV with Jeff and now with uh, Craig and Sean. You do a great job. You uh, Thank you. Bring, obviously, you bring your experience to the booth. Yeah, thank you. Uh, you know, it, it's, I feel very honored to – uh, to have a, I, I love the game of baseball. Uh, I've loved it ever since I've been old enough that when my, my oldest half brother brought me a, a glove and it was right-handed and my dad said, you'll never be a baseball player to where my other half brother was left-handed and brought me a glove and said, Oh, this little guy can throw a little bit, but uh, um, <laughs> it's an honor to, uh, it's an honor to do work for the brewer for Fox and what we do. I, I think that there's going to be some kind of uh, change over now with Fox, but uh to do Brewer baseball is probably the uh, some of the most fun that I do have in analyzing games and being able to go before the game and after the game and talk to the fans about the game is very special. Yeah, yeah. Well, well we're yeah we're honored to have you on our show. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Thank you. Right. It's yeah. Great being with you guys. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. and actually, I'll say uh, an anecdote that I said off air. Uh, I just called you Jerry. You're, you go by the name Augie, and when I was growing up, when you joined the team. Jerry Augustine, Augie Augustine, we had a dog named Augie. And so uh, that was kind of a special thing in our family to have this guy that they kept referring to as Augie. You know, for- yeah, and, there's a, and there was a cartoon growing up called Augie Doggie. So oh, yeah. it all yep. ends up. <laughs> well, Augie, I think uh, this is our time, right, Chris? I know your wife wants you to get back and, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and grab the remote control and start flipping through those channels. Right? That'll never happen, believe me. She's got, <laughs> once she gets her hands and grip on it, I don't get a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Do you got another TV somewhere in the garage? In the oh, basement? yeah. Oh, yeah. We got, we got that all. I have that all planned out. Don't worry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the major leagues doesn't buy anything uh, in, in the TV room. You don't get the remote control. Uh, no, when I'm at home, it's um, I think my wife has predominantly the say in what we watch. But, you know, she's she's got a she has a good idea and has she likes to watch good things. So I don't mind it. Yeah, you might want to keep it down. She's just in the next room, yeah. all right? So. I know. <laughs> She's going to smile when I walk in. I'll, I'll agree. All right. Well, thanks thanks again, Augie. It's, yeah, thanks, it's like Augie. I said, an honor to have you on the show. Yeah. Anytime, yeah. guys. Yeah. Great yeah. being with you. Take care. Have a good yeah. night. Thanks, you, you too. too. Join us next time on the Bait and Switch podcast when we interview a stormtrooper from the Imperial Army who risks his safety to speak out against the Empire. You know, I'm surprised you didn't synthesize your voice somehow. You're just going to go for it, huh? No, I took my helmet off. Um, I was inspired to kind of speak my piece by one of uh, a popular filmmaker on your planet, Michael Moore. He's always exposing stuff. You know, I figured I'd be the Michael Moore of the Death Star. And I know, you know, that might not turn out for me, you know, very well down the road, but I figured I might as well give it a shot. Yeah, sure. you're kind of a muckraker. Right? Yeah. You know, the thing is, I wonder if 
by taking the helmet off, people won't recognize his voice. They always, they're used to hearing him with the helmet on, right? They're used to hearing the digital. Uh, they, they won't recognize no, this No, they're used all. to hearing something like this, hearing Not me only, say yeah. halt. Right, right, right. <laughs> You've made it to the end of yet another Bait and Switch podcast. Spread the word.